How are we doing this morning? Who's had a good week? Hands up. Hands up those good weekers. Come on. Loud and proud now. Come on. Okay. Who's had a meh week? Who's had a meh week? A couple of meh weeks there. A meh week there. Oh, some over there. Who's had an awful week? (laughs) No awful weeks? One awful week. Get that hand up. Loud, proud, come on. Good weekers, pray for this lady. Pray for this lady. We want to see that hand up loud and proud on a good week next week. Okay, Mike, you're going to uh, come and do our reading this morning. Uh, let me pray for you. Lord, I just pray. Father, that the, the huge chunk of scripture that Mike has to read this morning, you will just really bless those words, that you will give him all he needs to read them. May every single word that comes out of his mouth, Lord, just help us to, to soak it in, to change our lives through your word, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, The readings from Luke 7, verses 36 to 50. Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, how her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you, Mike. 
So three words that I want you to be thinking about during the two hours I'm going to be speaking. The first one is forgiveness. The second one is gratitude. And the third one is peace. Forgiveness, gratitude and peace. Right. We have got so much going on in this chunk of scripture. First of all, we see that a Pharisee has invited Jesus to dinner. Oh, that's beautiful. What a wonderful thing to do. If you're going to get to know someone, you invite them to dinner, don't you? That's a lovely thing to do. And after all, the Pharisees have been following Jesus around for months now, maybe even years, and they've not been too kind to him. And Jesus has rebuffed them many times and probably angered them. So it's nice that a Pharisee named Simon has said, you know what, Jesus, we need to have a chat. We need to sit down over uh, some burger and some chips and just chew the fat, um, literally, and just get to know each other. I think we've probably got off on the wrong foot. I think we, you know, we're, we all love the same God, don't we? Let's, let's get together and let's have a chat. That's a lovely thing to do, isn't it? Would you do that? Yeah? It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Good old Pharisee. Good old Simon. Of course, it's not that at all. It is absolutely not that. But there are a few things that we need to know about the Jewish culture of the time that are going to help us, like tools, to open up this scripture. So the first thing is when these people had a dinner party, uh, it wasn't just uh, in a little room at the back of the house, in the back parlour, like we used to have. This was almost a public affair. So it was probably in a room, a large room, and there would have been people watching. So if you have a dinner party, you, all the people at the dinner party are all sitting around the table, right? Yeah? Mm -hmm. Good, you are awake. Um, when they had a dinner party, they would have the very important guests at the dinner table reclining. They wouldn't be sitting in chairs like we do. They would be sort of reclining on sort of big cushions or sort of like a shilongi. And they would sort of be leaning on one arm and then eating with the other, just taking things off of plates and stuff like that. But around those people eating, there would have been uh, another ring of people sitting, standing, watching. They would be the sort of semi-important people, the ones that weren't good enough to sit at the table, but were good enough to be in the right vicinity of it. And then around that as well, there would probably be a local uh, working class chaps and lasses kind of peeking in, going, oh, I wonder what's going on, big dinner party tonight. Oh, I wonder who's in there today. Mm. Because when they were having these dinner parties, they would be talking, what they call them now, they call them salons. Uh, so they would be like groups of intellectual thinky types of massive brains sitting around talking and expanding on their knowledge and trying to outdo each other and, and really trying to, you know, show off. That's the, that's the thing about these dinner parties. It's a way of showing off how important you are, how clever you are, and, you know, getting a bit of honour and status. So there would be a lot of people witnessing this dinner. Now, all of a sudden, as they're sitting there eating, 
this woman bursts into the room and she runs over to Jesus and she's weeping and she's crying so much that her tears are landing on Jesus' feet. Remember, Jesus is laying at the table. So she, we can assume that she is either standing at his feet or most likely, I would say, on her knees, just kind of like that over his feet. And her tears are washing his feet. When she has cried enough tears, she then, oh, hang on, I need to tell you something else. You see, the hair is a very important thing. You see, you, some of you have hair, right? Some of you have hair. In those days, hair was very important, especially for women. Not so much for men, but hair for women was very important. A hair out of place on a woman would have been a shocking thing. If you went out of doors with your hair, just <coughs> bedhead, people would look at you and just go, what on earth is she doing? You see, hair to a woman, and it's in the Bible, it's a scriptural thing, it's a cultural thing, that it was meant to show the glory of the woman. It was her crowning achievement was her hair. It was a status symbol. You would adorn it with gold, with silver, with things. I don't know, Alice Band made out of gold. I don't know. But you would have, it would be like super barnet. It would tell everyone your status, your income, it would tell everyone that you were a godly person because you're looking after your hair. It's a sign to everyone of your affluency. So, when this woman has cried these tears, she's crouching over Jesus' feet. When she's cried those tears, she unfurls her hair, takes all the bump rubbish out of her hair, all of the gold, all of the trinkets. <coughs> and she uses her hair like a rag to dry his feet. That is a powerful statement. When she's done that, she cracks open this alabaster jar of perfume. Now, alabaster was an expensive rock in those days. This would have been a hewn, uh, like, perfume bottle made out of alabaster, this stone, it would have been sculpted and formed and it would have been <coughs> containing an awful, awful, awful amount of expensive perfume. It's probably going to be about that big, right? And it would be full of perfume. Now, this isn't your Poundland perfume called, I don't know, Lady Muck or something, um, or some sort of knockoff Tommy Hellfinger. This is proper proper expensive perfume this is this is beyond your chanel number five whatever that is this is proper stuff there is so much perfume in here in this little jar like that <coughs> it would take you a lifetime your average person to probably save up to get that much this was expensive stuff 
And rather than just use it on herself, she poured it over Christ's feet. The lot, the whole lot, had it all. What on earth happened to this woman to make her cry for a start so much that she could wash the feet of a man? What happened to this woman that would make her take her hair and throw it down like a rag to put aside her dignity, her status, her wealth, to put aside all of that and dry a man's feet with her hair? What happened to a woman that she would throw away the most expensive thing that she owned to pour over a man's feet? What happened to this woman? Remember those three words that I told you at the beginning to remember. Who can remember them? Forgiveness, Forgiveness, gratitude, gratitude, and and peace. Well, I'll tell you what happened to this woman forgiveness. That's what happened to this woman. See, Jesus was out in the streets. He was in the marketplaces. He was teaching people. He was teaching people, as we know about in um, Matthew's gospel, about the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was teaching people, not necessarily about grace, but he was teaching them that, you know what? The kingdom of God has arrived, and I am the king. It's me. I am the king. The kingdom of God has arrived. The kingdom of heaven is here. He was saying, here I am. Now, if the king walked in here right now, we would be expected to what? Bow? Curtsy? Yeah? you would expect, well, the king would expect you to bow if you are a man or curtsy if you're a woman. Why? Uh, Well, it's a sign of respect, isn't it? It's a way of giving honour. It's a way of saying, I bow to you. You are above me. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But this woman saw Jesus in the streets, maybe that day, maybe beforehand. She listened to his teaching, and she made a very important discovery about the identity of Christ. She realized that this was no ordinary man. This was the Son of God. This was the kingdom of heaven. This is the king. She recognized him. She realized that he has the power alone to forgive her sins. Now, the text says that she was a woman who had sinned a lot. Now, traditionally, that has been taken to say she was a prostitute. Because, one, she's a woman, and, well, obviously women are a bit dodgy, aren't they? Of course they are. Um, She's sinned a lot, so obviously, woman, a big sinner, well, she's got to be a hooker then, hasn't she? Uh, Let's make her really kind of, let's let's really downplay this woman. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, We're going to remove the gender thing, 
right? But I'm going to ask you a question. Who has sinned a lot? Excellent. We've all sinned a lot. George, are, are you a prostitute? Not today. That's good. Uh, who else can I pick on? Julia, are you a prostitute? No, you're not. Just because you've sinned a lot does not make you a prostitute. And you know what? In the kingdom of heaven, a prostitute is seen exactly the same as you. Because there are no grades of sin. Okay, So one sin is not worse than another sin. So if you've sinned a lot, maybe little things, maybe you've said the odd naughty word, in the eyes of God, well, it's the same thing. We're all in it together, truly. Our sin is not weighed more than any other. So she's realized that this man has the authority and the identity to forgive her all of her sins. Whatever those sins may have been, she realizes that this man can finally accept her for who she is. Why? Because she accepted who he was. And in that moment, she experienced the forgiveness of God. Now, this woman learned that Jesus was speaking, going to be eating at this meal. So she came along because she wanted to hear more. She wanted to be close to him because she accepts him as her king. And when she saw him turn up at this guy's house, she noticed three things that were not done. In Jewish culture, if you went to someone's house for dinner, you would be assured of certain treatment. The first is the servants would wash your feet because you're wearing open-toed sandals. It's a hot country. You are going to be sweaty. You are going to be dusty and dirty. Your feet are going to be rancid. Now, remember how they sit. They're not sitting like you, well away from feet. They are sitting head to foot, head to foot, head to foot, head to foot, all around the table. So whoever is sitting at the foot of Jesus is getting a big old pongy whiff of some cheesy, dirty feet. That is going to make Jesus feel how? Uncomfortable. He's going to be feeling awkward, is he not? He's going to be very aware of the fact that he is the only one in the room that stinks. Also, his hair was not oiled. So this oil they would use would be like a lightly perfumed oil. It's the equivalent of you smacking on the brill cream before you go out. Yeah, I think that, that looks all right. Can't, can't smell any sweaty hair because I've got some sort of nice perfumed oil in my hair. Looking good. What was the other thing? What was the other thing that wasn't done? 
No, not the three words. Yes. It's customary for when you go into that house, welcome. She noticed. She watched as the king, remember, she's accepted him, she's recognized him as king, walked into this house, and the basic level of human decency was not met by a host who kept the law, who proclaimed the love and forgiveness of God, who knew the law backwards and inside out, could not afford to be gracious enough to perform three basic signs of welcome and gratitude and left a man with messed up hair, stinking to high heaven and not feeling welcomed by a kiss into this man's house in front of everyone. I want you to put yourself in the place of Jesus. I want you to imagine that you have been invited into someone's house here, right now, one of your friends, one of your brothers and sisters. You've been invited for a meal. And when you get there, you ring the doorbell, ding dong, and the door opens. Now, what would you expect? A greeting. Hello, welcome. Oh, it's so good to see you. I am so glad you've come. And if you're one of those types of people, oh, mwah. Come in, come in, please come in, have a seat. You take them to the front room, you sit them in your favourite chair. What can I get you, please? It's so good to see you. Can I get you a drink? What would you like? We've got this, we've got that, we've got this. Um, please, my home is your home. You serve them, right? Now imagine you ring that doorbell and there's no answer. And as you sort of go to knock the door, the doors sort of open. It just opens up, and there's someone in the kitchen, down the hallway, looking at you going, right? And then just turns around and carries on doing that. So you're standing in the doorstep. How are you feeling? I'm welcome. You're thinking, do I just come in? I mean, that's rude. If I come in, if I just walk in without being welcomed, that's... That's kind of rude, isn't it? But I can't stand on the doorstep all day. Oh, now I've got to make a decision. I'm just going to come in. And then you go in, and they're still just standing there cooking some eggs or something. And mm. So then you're going, well, why do I, this is wrong. And then you go, hello, it's good to see you. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're serving them. You're feeling awkward, you're feeling uncomfortable, you're not feeling very welcome at all. You're actually thinking, I'm putting this person out. They clearly don't want me here. And as we know from so many encounters with the Pharisees and Jesus, there is a catchphrase that I use. Can anyone remember what those encounters are actually? Anyone? Star Wars quote. It's a trap! Admiral Akbar, Return of the Jedi. It's a trap! Every single encounter 
It's a trap. Jesus sees this woman give everything to him. Give her life to him in gratitude, in honour, in dignity and respect. She is affording him those rituals, that respect, that honour that was not given to him by a man who claimed to know God. She showed the respect. And when he looked at her, when this Pharisee looked at her, what did he see? He saw sin. He saw sin. This is a whore. This is someone not worthy to sit at my table. This is someone not worthy to sit anywhere in my house. I will, I'm deeply uncomfortable that this woman is even in my vicinity. How on earth does this man, Jesus, even tolerate the fact that this woman is touching him? This man is no prophet. This man is no king. If he knew who she was, he would kick her to the curb. And then Jesus explains exactly what he has done. This woman has been forgiven a lot. Her sins have been forgiven. She is showing the second word, gratitude. She is submitting herself to him. And the last thing he says to her is, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, when he says that, if you look at the original Greek, it's not the verbs and all that kind of stuff. It's not like the thing you've just done has saved you. He's actually referring back to a previous time that they had met. That thing you did back then, that saved you. And that was the minute, the very second that she accepted him as king, that she recognized who he was and what he could do. That is when she was saved. Not the thing that she did, not giving him her tears, not drying his feet, not giving the perfume. That was an expression of gratitude and honor and respect. The thing that saved her was knowing who he was, having the faith in his identity. Now, what's in this for us? Let's see those hands again. Who sinned a lot? So, can we assume that we have that same knowledge that this woman has? Who here recognizes the fact that Jesus is the king? Fantastic. Who here recognizes the fact that the king of God, that the kingdom of heaven came so that we may approach the throne? Who here believes that? Where's our gratitude? Worshipping. Worshipping is an outpouring of gratitude, isn't it? How do we worship? We sing? In our work. Good one. It's a great book, Practice in the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. I've got it indoors. It's about that thick. It'll take you about an hour to read it. 
It's very cheap. It's like two or three quid. It's all about a monk who practiced being in the presence of God every single day. Everything he did from getting up, washing himself, putting his sandals on, putting his habit on, what habit, the doodah that he wears, the itchy thing. Everything he did from sweeping the floor, from cleaning out the pigs, from milking cows, washing up, everything he did was an act of worship. Absolutely everything was an act of worship dedicated to God. In the spiritual realm, if we put spiritual glasses on and saw what this guy was doing, we would see that he was falling at the feet of Christ, washing his feet with his tears, using his hair as a rag to dry his feet and pouring on his most expensive perfume, giving everything he had to God. How can we do that? How can we be that utterly infatuated? Not not infatuated, what's the word I'm looking for? How can we be living in gratitude on the same level as this woman? If we believe that every evil thing that we've done, every wrong thing, every sin that we have committed in this life has been wiped clean, has been put as far as the east is from the west, if we have been given free access to God for eternity, how can we show our gratitude? I mean, you could come up and you could fall up there and just bundle in all the money into a pot if you wanted to. Is that going to be enough? Stay in relationship with him all day. That would be a fantastic, fantastic way of doing it. When Jesus said to her, go in peace, he didn't say, go out and carry on doing what you're doing. The peace of Christ means we stay with him. A song we sing every week, abide in me, stay in me. My yoke is easy. I will give you rest. I will give you that peace prayer, talk to him, worship, sing to him, do things for him, fall on your knees, open up your arms, just say, I am so sorry, or do you know what, thank you. So many of us go to God, I'm, I'm exactly the same, so many of us approach God, when it all goes tits up, we go, oh God, please help. Please, where are you in this, God? Oh, Jesus, help me. And then something miraculous happens. God comes along, pulls you out the pit, puts you on your feet, and you go, woo, off we go. La, 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 it's all good. Gratitude means going, thank you. Putting as much effort into the thank you as in the help. How many of us have ever just been so grateful to what he's done and just literally fallen on our knees at his feet and gone, thank you. I didn't know how that was going to work out, but it all happened. Thank you. Live in that gratitude. Live in that peace 
and it will be with you. But it takes effort. We have to cross a room full of spectators who think we're scum. We have to fall at the feet. We have to give submission to God. We have to realize that God is above us, that he is worthy of all praise, that he is worthy of our worship, that he is trusting, that he never changes, that he is the king and he has us in the palm of his hand. And we should be grateful for that. So when things go wrong, or when you've done something wrong, I want you to remember this woman who put aside her dignity, her pride, who put aside everything that she is. And I want you to remember that falling at the feet of Christ is just about the most beautiful, wonderful, and important thing that you can ever do in your life. Because at his feet, we are the third word in peace. Forgiveness, gratitude, peace. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that no other person can find anywhere else other than at the feet of Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father God, we pray right now, Lord, that each and every one of us, each and every one of us that sins will learn to fall at your feet, to put away our pride and our dignity, to put away those thoughts of, well, I'll just carry on. I just need to carry on. Help us to be submissive to you. Help us to be in submission. Help us to fall at your feet, Lord. Help us to worship you to give you the honor and the respect and the gratitude that you require. And Lord, I thank you in advance for that peace that passes all understanding. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I did all of that on Wednesday in eight, eight minutes, um, but I missed out quite a lot. But you can do that in a minute at home. Remember those three words. What are they? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Peace. Think of that. <coughs> Forgiveness, gratitude, peace. And in one minute flat, you can be on your knees and in peace. So let's have the grace. Oh. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and evermore. Amen.